the Any Given Thursday podcast has returned for its final group stage game. Group stage. Stage. Group stage group. The final group of the group stage. It's Group H. Group H features Portugal, Uruguay, Ghana, and South Korea. Portugal and Ghana open up affairs on Thursday the 24th, followed by Uruguay and South Korea. Then Portugal and Uruguay clash on the 28th. South Korea and Ghana face off. And on the 2nd, the group rounds out with Ghana, Uruguay, and South Korea, Portugal. Let's start with Portugal. The yeah. uh, the favorites, I'm sure, of the group. One of the most talented squads on paper in the entire tournament. Yeah, definitely. Portugal come in pretty heavy favorites to get out of this group. I think it'd be a pretty disastrous tournament for them if they don't. Uh, but... You know, they're not keeping their expectations low. They're saying the group, it's not enough. Fernando Santos, the coach, who's previously won the Euros and the Nations League with them, said, I have one trophy left to win. Pretty The much, best is yet to come. Pretty much promised that they would win the... <laughs> yeah. And then not even said the best is yet to come. He said, we will win it. He, <laughs> he basically just said, we're going to win the World yeah. Cup. Very, uh, very interesting statement. He is very, very confident. Very confident. And he's going to have them lining up in a... Four two three one. No, I don't want to say. I don't want to compare this necessarily, but he sounds very French when he says that. <laughs> yeah, I mean the French. Yeah, known for the a little best bit of hubris around their sports teams. To come. All right, continue. Okay, so Santos is going to have them lining up in a four two three one, but it's a very defensive four two three one. Sure is. When you compare it to who is actually going to be in that lineup, so. On the back end of the team, I think the key to the back is going to be the experience of Pepe and how much game time he gets or what kind of experience he can give to the rest of the team. He is obviously very old at this point, but he might be their starting center back next to Ruben Diaz, uh, who is the other center back there for Manchester City. Ruben Diaz is quite the player. He's quite the player. So he could make up for any signs of age that Pepe has. Uh, then you also have, I mean, excellent fullbacks. It's, I hate Pepe. I know you do, but he's a very, he was a very, very good player. He's a little, plays a little angry. Psycho, yeah. Plays a little angry, but that kind of, I think that kind of helps, you know, this is a Portuguese team that doesn't have a ton of, to use a very American phrase, a ton of grit to them. Uh-huh. You know, they're not a gritty team, but Pepe really gives them that like physicality and the anger that you kind of want from a team. So I think he should start for them. But we'll see. He has some other options back there. Uh, notably, Danilo could be in there. Uh, Antonio Silva from Benfica as well. He's only 19. Hasn't played for the national team yet, but mm-hmm. could be a chance for him. Benfica have obviously been incredible this season. Then their fullbacks, some of probably the best group of fullbacks in the world. They probably have the best fullback in the world. I would agree with that. And Joao Cancelo. Joao. Will probably be on the right, but he could be on the left. You don't know with this team or with Joao Cancelo because he's he really play good. Either, he can, yeah. Yeah. He play wherever the fuck he wants. Two-footed. He obviously one of the stars at Man City coming into the national team. Going to be a star here as well. If he's on the left, it's probably Diogo Dallo lining up on the right. Manchester United player having a bit of a breakout season. Yeah. You know? Uh, or if Joao Cancelo is on the right, you have Rafael Guerrero and Nuno Mendes as options. Guerrero. Dortmund has been the guy. Right, so he's their typical left back, but he hasn't been incredible this year. And Nuno Mendes has been looking pretty good at PSG. Yeah, who would you, how would you line up the wing backs if, if it was your if it was your team? I think 
if I was in Santos's spot, I would probably stick with Guerrero on the left mm-hmm. and Joao on the right, just because I know what they can do. I think I would put Joao on the right, but put Mendez in on the left. Yeah, I, despite I, his lack of experience at the international level, I don't disagree. Guerrero, with that. I don't trust defending at all. <laughs> yeah, that is totally fair. And these fullbacks will do a fair bit of defending for the team. They're not as engaged as you might expect from players who, for their club, are very attacking minded. But you know, you kind of see that throughout. I mean, the midfield Bernardo Silva plays sometimes on the right wing. For Manchester City, but typically in a very attacking role. He is a center mid in this team. And he's going to stay back a little deeper than you expect from him. Uh, so that, you know, they're just, they're very reserved. But I think the big discussion around this team has to be Ronaldo, right? And the fact that he's still on the team. He is likely going to demand some playing time. It's Oh, he'll start. Yeah. It's just, it, you're Portugal. It's really hard to bench Ronaldo, even if. Yeah. Even if he should. doesn't even play anymore. Yeah. Even, <laughs> if, even if maybe you should bench him and kind of how he can mesh with the rest of this attacking group. Can you imagine the interviews he'd do with Piers Morgan if he, if Santos benched him here? Oh. He said, he doesn't respect me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'd be a, be a disaster. Yeah. Ronaldo, um, well, trying to sever ties with United in those interviews also maybe either didn't consider or doesn't give a fuck that he plays with other United players on this team, including mm-hmm. Bruno Fernandez and Dallo. Yeah. And Fernandez, obviously a huge part of their, the way they set up plays a huge creative role in the midfield. Like how, how must he be feeling <laughs> as like a leader at Manchester United? Yeah. Who I think he's vice captain. He, I think he's uh, with at Manchester Maguire. United. Yeah. With Maguire. Yeah. I think he's captain most of the time because Maguire never plays anyway. Yeah. So like for him to, for him to have to, for you two of your star players to be at odds like that, who knows if that has an effect on the on the chemistry here or on the on the field itself? We'll have to see. Yeah, and you mentioned Bruno being a key player for the team. He's likely going to line up in the ten, which means with Ronaldo probably playing as an out out nine, right, a striker up front. He is going to be reliant on Bruno giving him the ball. Mm-hmm. Which if Bruno's just like mad at Ronaldo, maybe just hesitates a little before he makes that pass. Uh, could be... Will Bernardo be in that there. pivot with, I assume, uh, what's his name, Carvalho? Or will he line up on the right of the front three? Typically, if they use a 4-2-3-1, he's typically mm-hmm. going to be in the 10. Okay. And no, Bern- uh, not Bruno, Bernardo. Oh, Bernardo. Bernardo's typically in the uh, middle mm-hmm. of the midfield. So it's usually him and Carvalho. Okay. In the midfield, although, like you said, he can play on the right. And interestingly, against Nigeria, the, in their warm-up game, they used a four-three-one-two. Oh, interesting. Which would be interesting because I do think that could help with players like Ronaldo and Joao Felix, mm-hmm. who you want to play up front, but it's not really at their best when they're a single striker. Hard to leave them alone. That yeah. is, that is a decent way of getting Joao Felix involved because in the four-two-three-one, there's not like a natural place for mm-hmm. him. I guess like yeah. he could play on the wing, but. You wouldn't want him as a lone striker. And obviously, like, pointless to talk about anyone else playing the nine, but it's so obviously going to be Ronaldo. Yeah. But, yeah. And I also... That's why I feel like they have the team... Part of what frustrates me about Santos is that they have the players to try things on this team. Like, the Nations League and stuff is, like, the time, in my opinion, when they should be experimenting with lineups because they have such deep talent in a lot of positions. And I'd love to have seen certain people get chances 
like proper chances. Yeah. Like I get that Felix, he's not even like a guaranteed starter on Atletico, but he's so talented. Mm-hmm. And I think Santos has some of those same ideology principles that, um, that uh, Cholo has. So I think maybe they have the same opinion of him, which is like, you know, he's a little bit of a bratty kid, but in that case, I would like, I would love to see him playing like in a two up front occasionally just to see how that works. Or like, you know, now that Leao is a star, you know, how do they properly, or how do they get the most out of him now that he's one of their better players? Mm-hmm. Same with like Cancelo, like why not adopt some of Pep's tactics that have, you'd gotten so much out of him the last couple of years, like famously inverting him uh, into the midfield, which then Klopp sort of emulated with Trent puts him into like a really creative role like i just don't understand why it reminds me of southgate a little bit where he's so rigid about his guys and his formation but southgate at least will like alternate a little bit and i also understand that well england's team is really good i the depth isn't as strong as portugal like on the top of the top of the roster list i don't think like portugal and they have portugal also have the option of having like if southgate is choosing between like Saka and foden it's like okay they they're different players, but they play in the same position, sort of relatively. Mm. Foden can play on the left, but or probably plays on the left. But you know what I mean. Like you're picking between two like more similar types of players. And in Portugal, it's like Felix or Leao or Jota or who's hurt. We should mention. Yeah, he but would, Jota would uh-huh. be likely up front uh-huh. if he's healthy, and then you move Ronaldo yeah over to the left wing. So actually, this is an aside. I'm interrupting you, but. Uh-huh. I think the Jota injury could actually be a blessing. Well, you have to have Leao in there. Yeah, because it forces you to play Leao uh-huh. in a position he's really strong at, mm-hmm. and it force it takes Ronaldo out of the left wing conversation, right? So it just gives you more of a set kind of front group of players where you're mm-hmm. a little more confident as to who's going to be playing. Like you know, Ronaldo's going to be playing. You know, Leao's going to be playing. You know, Bruno Fernandez is going to be playing. So it's just one question mark yeah. up front instead of like three or four question marks. And I think right. it could give players a little more confidence, a little more mm-hmm. stability in their roles, yeah, which could help in a knockout stage tournament. It's just yeah. like that confidence. And- For me, I just want, in the build-up, I would have wanted to see him utilizing some of this squad depth, especially up front and in the mm-hmm. midfield, and see what they like what they have. Like, Ricardo Orta's been really good for Braga. Like, you know, Vitinha, the midfield at PSG is really exciting. He's 21, I think. Mm-hmm. 22. Um, yeah, 22. Yeah. And, you know, doing stuff like... I wonder. I also wonder. Like, who who do you think will start on the right in the first game? Will it be Bernardo, or will he be in the midfield? Because I have seen some things that yeah. Neves will line up with. Uh, with I would like to see Bernardo on the right. With Carvalho, you know. Yeah, like that's like a pretty to... decent pivot right there. You, I like Neves. Yeah, you did say something when you were talking about comparing them to the England squad. When I went on my rant. Yeah, <laughs> comparing them to the England squad. That I think it's important to know that their players are very like similar. Yeah. Right. And so, even though they have a ton of depth, a lot of that that's what I was kind of cancels to say. itself out. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm trying to say with, the, with the Saka, Foden, mm-hmm. example, yeah. But like Bruno, Bernardo, even Joao Felix to an extent play very similar to each other. That's true. So no matter where you put them, they're kind of conflicting with yeah. each other. And I meant not more like the, 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 the like the other players like Andre Silva or mm-hmm. Orta who offer something. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, differently. You yeah. know, you have your probably your best players mm-hmm. all conflict with each other because they do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So even though you feel like you have to get Bernardo Silva, Bruno Fernandes out there, like having both of them doesn't help you yeah. in the way that having just one of them would. Yeah. 
My um, hot take at the Euros last summer was that they that Bruno shouldn't have been in the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if that's the case now necessarily. I don't know enough right now to to say that for sure. But la- like I just felt like you were getting with Cancelo and Bernardo both like tucking in, <laughs> like one starting midfield, one tucking in the midfield. Like they sort of rendered Bruno's contributions like less useful. Which like he's like he wants to ping around passes, you know. But I feel like at that tournament they almost needed more, a more dynamic midfield alongside like Carvalho and Bernardo because exactly what you're saying like if you have two of, or three of those guys on the those three guys on the pitch at the same time you have a lot of similar mm-hmm. quality like yeah. small scrawny dudes who want to sort of control the pace of the game which yeah. is great it works for Croatia yeah. but, <laughs> and, and Spain I guess but I think the difference is with Croatia and Spain is those guys are occupying different spaces yeah and they the do pitch. more and here, like they can they can do more with ball recoveries and whatever and whatever yeah, but in here, like Bernardo, naturally he's going to move a little to the right. Mm-hmm. Bruno naturally shifts a little to the right. Joao Felix naturally shifts, I mean, shifts or to, the to the left. Sorry, yeah. Joao Felix shifts to the right. So, you know, Joao Felix and Bernardo they conflict with each other, and then yeah. Bruno he's going to take the space that Leao wants to move into, mm-hmm. or Ronaldo yeah. if Ronaldo's on your left yeah. side, right? For the for every and, one of those like ten creators, you need people who are like willing to make those runs. Yeah, and you know, in invert positions and like form triangles and mm-hmm. stuff like. And I do think that's why Leao and, in my mind, Andre Silva could be really uh-huh. critical to this team. I'm especially excited to see Leao. Yeah. Because he offers a dynamic that they just haven't had in recent years, mm-hmm. which is someone who's like, who's just like an out and out direct player who can just gun up and down vertically. Yeah. And like, they just haven't, like, they simply haven't had that. Yeah. He also, and he does that really well. And I think that's his best role for mm-hmm. Portugal, but he isn't limited to that too. Like he can stay super wide or he can mm-hmm. go. In diagonally toward the goal. Yeah, can, I actually really, striker, if Santos lets them, I really like the idea of him inverting a little bit and, and combining with Mendez or, you know, Guerrero, depending on, yeah. or even Cancelo if he's over there. Yeah. Like, I feel like that would be a really, a really spicy, potent combination, especially if, like, then you have either the Ronaldo or probably Bruno, like, come in to form that triangle there on the on the flank. That would be fun. I think the Leao-Mendez combo mm-hmm. in particular could look a lot like Leao and Teo Hernandez uh-huh. at Milan. Obviously, yeah. not the same level because Teo Hernandez is probably one of the three best left backs in the world right now. And Mendez is very, very good, but not quite there yet. Probably going to get, he'll probably get there at some point. He's good, yeah. Yeah, but just like, you know, he's still 20. Mm-hmm. So it will be, I think that dynamic could be really, really good on the left as well um, we haven't even talked about like ruben diaz or but yeah i mean you know, he's, he's good, he's, he's, really good. <laughs> he's pretty good uh they have you know carvalho too is another option in that role mm-hmm. i like um what well, carvalho i'm sorry i, I not, not what a, i that's not a, what i meant yeah. i'm sorry wait go to the go to the roster really quick yeah I, I lost track of my words um i meant to say somebody else it's uh, fine. We're going to move past Danilo it. Pereira. Yeah, Pereira. That's what I was thinking. It's sort of his best. I like yeah. Carvalho is sort of an underrated player, I think, too. Mm-hmm. And he's just been a Betis for a while. And the more Betis profile grows in the last couple years in terms of quality, like he's just sort of been there doing his thing, yeah. proving he can play at a high level. Mm-hmm. I am interested to see how they use Vitinha mm-hmm. as well. Cause I just impact think, sub. Yeah. Hashtag impact sub. He reminds me a lot of Carvalho. And, like, is going to take a similar spot to him, I think, and probably just be a direct sub for him. But, you know, he's really been playing very, very well for PSG. I, everyone on that team has been. So... Why, why is PSG just, like, snapping up the Portuguese all of a sudden? 
because they're good. Half this team is Man City and PSG. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the Middle East loves then, the Portuguese and Wolves. So maybe maybe that's a sign that they'll yeah. do really well at Qatar. If right. the yeah, Saudis for all this. and the uh, and the and the UAEs, <laughs> if they all if they if they favor the Portuguese, maybe Qatar will as well. Maybe maybe you know they've paid a little bit. No 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 no. We mm. kid we kid. Should move on to the team that's expected to be there. Oh sorry, before we do that, uh, we talked about players to look out for. I think Leao mm-hmm. and Bernardo Silva are probably the key players for this team. Ronaldo's how much always, Ronaldo sucks will yeah. also be key to this. He's team. always someone to keep an eye on. He can still put in really yeah. good performances. I should mention it's but, part of Santos's problem. I think in doing fun stuff with the team. I don't think he would anyway because he's stubborn, but. Mm is with Ronaldo having to play there and like Ten Hag has discovered this problem as well and everybody who's played Ronaldo in the last three years that you can't really play a lot of ways you know yeah. you can't really press cohesively mm-hmm. because he can't run anymore or he can but he won't and you know the like he, he needs to be able to do Ronaldo things in the box so kind of limits what you can do in yeah. formation and then yeah, for breakout players though we think Vitinha potential there Leao, um, obviously, like if you watch Syria at all or mm-hmm. watched Milan in the Champions League, you know that he's an incredible player. Syria MVP last year, but could be a little bit of a more international breakout. Yeah, type. Could, yeah, <clears throat> uh, particularly like in the U.S., I think he doesn't get talked about a ton. It's mm-hmm. not as many people watch Syria as do the Premier League, and so, so there's a chance for him to kind of show and get a little bit of a bigger profile. And then Nuno Mendes as well. Not mm-hmm. a lot of people tune in to see PSG play in the league because you know they're going to win every game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, why would you? Yeah. Maybe to watch Messi and Neymar and Mbappe, but yeah. other but so he's that's been playing well. Reason. He's been playing well there, and it's a chance to mm-hmm. to get an, again a bigger profile. It's hard to pick a real breakout star because they have good players at every yeah, position. They're just good at everything. Uh, expectations, though, we were talking about this. It's kind of like a weird position where apparently the expectation is to win it, according to the manager. Yeah, so uh, that's so their expectation. They expect that. They expect to win. But I feel like from an outsider perspective, it's like deep run. Yeah, semifinals. But it's also like they go out in the quarterfinals. It's not terrible. Dude, it depends who they go out to. Because frankly, yeah. Portugal have one of the three or four best rosters in the entire competition. Yeah. Like, what would you say? Brazil, France, Argentina, France, Argentina, probably. and is there anybody above like who else I mean, in that Portugal conversation? Are, like, yeah, right I'm saying those with, four. But yeah. like, is there anybody better? They might have the one of the four best rosters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're definitely in that like second tier of like. Like one B though, yeah, not I, not far. I, I have Brazil one they... A and everybody else. But France with everybody healthy is one A. Mm-hmm. But I don't think France doesn't have everyone healthy yet. I think it's a one. I think they're one B the way their current where what their roster looks like. I think right they're now. they're in that like England and maybe. Yeah. I'd say Portugal is a better Spain roster than than or in that England. category as well. But I take fair. I take I think Portugal. I think they're all pretty even yeah. right now. But I'd take yeah. them over. All right, should we move on to. The next team in this group, Uruguay. which is Uruguay. They have a bit of an interesting story. You may or may not be familiar with uh, Uruguay co- manager legend Oscar Tabarez, who coached the national team twice. Most recently, he coached for fifth, or excuse me, for since 06 to 21, mm-hmm. end of 21. Over, I believe, based on the months he took over, it was over 15 years. He accomplished some fabulous things. Including they made the quarterfinals last World Cup in Russia. They finished fourth in twenty ten, thanks to Luis Suarez handballing ball off the line against Ghana. Um, but things were kind of getting stale in twenty twenty one. He was let go in November of that year when World Cup qualification from Conmebol was kind of getting dicey. They were in a bit of trouble, and it was a bit of a sad, 
end of an era. But Diego Alonso, who replaced him, managed to turn their form around really quickly. They qualified automatically, avoiding the playoff after four straight qualifier wins after his takeover. A big part of that is, uh, according to our dear friend at the Athletic, Liam Tharm, he brought in a 4-2-2-2, which is a bit unique at this at an international tournament. Uh, distinct from a 4-4-2. And, or a four-two-four. Yeah, because the it's m- rather than having like like a regular four-four-two like with wide midfielders, they really do tuck in a lot. And I wouldn't say it's like necessarily looks like a box midfield like it does with when we were talking about with Belgium in that group. But yeah, basically the the quote-unquote wingers will tuck inside into the midfield, and then the wing back or the fullbacks will push up high, and then. In build-up, either Valverde or Bentetcore, probably Valverde tucks in with the, the center backs to help with build-up. Their goal then against the press, especially in goal kicks, is to break through the press and like vertical passes into the midfield. And then so they're flooded in the midfield. And then also what they can do is, with that tucked-in inverted winger and the fullback, the forward will join them in sort of a triangle, and then they combine hopefully have a the goal being to get a through ball um, or a pass into space for a striker or some or the wing back or whoever to run into so they're actually one of the they were not big on methodical buildup in this formation actually mm-hmm. um, which you know sometimes you expect from you know being the third of resident third team in South America they're not anywhere close to what Argentina and Brazil will do they prefer stuff to be a little more direct. And it really is, the key really is Valverde and Bentancourt, who luckily for them are in the form of their lives right now. Valverde looks like one of the best players in the world. He could play pretty much anywhere <laughs> you put him. He like, he could he plays super deep in build up in this team, like I mentioned. But, you know, sometimes in Madrid, he's playing on the right wing. Like, he can kind of do anything. And Bentancourt has also not only been really good at sort of the defensive side of the Conte system at Spurs, but also is in the goals now and like, creating and he's definitely going to be in positions where he uh is the player that ends up playing that ball that break line breaking ball so it's really important that they're both in that they're both in good form another fun thing they do is that they do long throw-ins around the box like it's always fun (laughs) don't you love that yeah so some players we mentioned uh valverde and bentancur of course but 35-year-old Luis Suarez will still start. Obviously. And be really important with them. He'll be up front with Darwin Nunez. Something always happens when Suarez puts on that kit, you know? Yeah. He's always great for, for Uruguay, that's but one it's of the always great, controversial. Yeah. That's one of the great things about Uruguay's national team, though, is that they have, like, a certain... They're unique in world football in that they have this history where they were like the original the og awesome international team won the first world cup won the first world cup and were dominant for a couple of those early decades in the 20s 30s 40s so they have that deep history they have a tiny country of like three million people Mm -hmm. but they still have these such strong footballing roots that they keep creating like these global superstars and are always well i think we forget how small their country actually is yeah because they don't play like it you know uh, they're a country regularly competing for deep runs mm. in major tournaments, even though they're not ever going to touch Argentina and yeah. Brazil. I also think one of the things we kind of forget when we, 
or not for you. One of the things that you don't see often with these smaller countries that are performing really well mm-hmm. is the depth, right? It's typically like, oh, they have a great starting eleven, mm-hmm. but then there's not a ton of pieces on the bench. They have good pieces on the bench. I mean, like particularly in the midfield with Vecino and Manuel Iguarte, Uguarte, who's I thought been superb for Sporting this year. Those two guys playing in the midfield, really, really good. Uh, Lucas Torreira hasn't had the best couple seasons, but we know that the talent's there. Mm-hmm. So we've seen it when he was at Fiorentina and when he first got to Arsenal. And then uh, Nicolas De La Cruz for River Plate, he's typically going to be one of their more forward uh, midfielders, like the, the second two that you said of the 2-2-2. Mm-hmm. Right, so kind of a winger, but also tucked inside. Yeah. He plays in Argentina, but he's a great player as well. And probably not a starter on the team. So it's like, yeah. You know, there's lots of really talented depth, particularly in the midfield. Yeah. For the squad that I don't think you see on these other smaller countries that you're like, oh, maybe they can make a run. Mm-hmm. Or do I have the depth to like make a run? And if this was a league format, yeah. it'd still be a top team. Yeah. So I think that kind of sets them apart. Yeah. And so Suarez, uh, he also takes penalties still for the team. So it wouldn't be a shock if he like ended up with five goals at the tournament and yeah. got a share of the golden boot or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darwin Nunez will also be important. He's been a little mixed since his Liverpool arrival yeah. for big money. I do if think he's back, if he's in the goals, then that'll that'll be great for them. I do think the red card he got in the first game that yeah set a bad precedent. He got off to a, a lot of people. It was a bit of a him. weird start. Yeah. I, another question with them is they're still kind of reliant on their old guys. Mm-hmm. Their captain Daniel Godin. Um, Diego. Diego. I'm sorry, Daniel. <laughs> Daniel. Jeez, I was thinking of something. Mo- Move to the U.S. I lost the. Uh, <laughs> I lost the. My brain sort of floated off for a second. Diego Godin is 36. He plays in Argentina now. The last time we saw him in a big league was with Cagliari, at, in God, Serie A, he and Cagliari. he was not good. He will start rough, in this team. Yeah, that was a rough Cagliari. He will defense. start. So Muslera will start in goal. He's 36. Also, he plays at Galatasaray. Mm-hmm. Cavani will probably come off the bench. He's 35, the Valencia. Martin Caceres is, is 35. He plays at Galaxy. I thought he was pretty good for Galaxy, despite sure. them not being yeah. a very good team. Yeah. he A lot of players moved to the MLS and just quit. Yeah. I thought he's been But they do have some... The they do, second half of yeah. the season. So I that's saw. like, that's all like backline shit, basically, except for Cavani. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do have, you know, there's Victor Oliveira. There's Araujo, mm-hmm. who maybe will play on the right. Or maybe Caceres will play on the right. I don't know. Yeah. Um, one of the one of them will play on the right. One of them yeah. will play in the is center, Raho, in the middle. Rahu healthy yet? I don't know. Yeah, I think that's a question mark as well. I mean, he's yeah. a very good player. Yeah. And he should start on this team, obviously. Yeah. But his health is yeah. a big question mark. Yeah. It's just at times like qualifying some of the age, the speed and age, especially in the back, mm-hmm. occasionally caught up to them. Benton Core picked up a lot of yellows in qualifying as a result. Um, so it could be a factor if they're vulnerable in transition. You wouldn't want Valverde and Bentancourt accumulating too many yellows early mm-hmm. in the tournament. Yeah. Could be risky for them to, if losing either one of them could be a big blow. But, you know, they have a lot of, they have a lot of good players. Mm-hmm. And I, they feel like a team that, I don't know if they'll fully gel or not, but I feel like they could either make a semifinal run or might go out the mm-hmm. upset in the, in the group stage. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. One player on their defense. They're fun though. That we should talk about is. Should be a good watch. I think Jose Jimenez at Atletico, mm-hmm. the fact that he's not starting for the team is pretty crazy to me. Yeah. So I think he's really talented, but they typically, right, in qualifiers and late in the qualifiers, they use Araujo, Godin, 
mm-hmm. Cortez and Vina mm-hmm. on the left. So Araujo is the right back, yeah. uh, which isn't He does that at Barca his, a yeah, lot. He's not going to engage in the attack a lot. He's a very defensive player. Though, but, but if he plays playing in the system, he'll be expected to get up mm-hmm. on the wings. Yeah, but he's just, I don't think it's his best yeah. attribute. Uh, so I like Araujo, Jose though. Jimenez on the bench is a very, mm-hmm. very good depth piece for their defense. Yeah. But I yeah, why not Oliveira? Uh, I mean Oliveira is he healthy? Too, but maybe I don't know. But, what's up with that? I mean, but, I I just think Vina's been in the team yeah. for a long time, and you a lot of these them. guys. That's kind of a, th- a thing with Argentina Oli- is that because I mean the pool is so much smaller than a lot of countries. Like you'll see like extraordinary numbers of caps. Like read out Godin's. How many caps does Godin have? Godin has one hundred fifty nine. Yeah, he's also Caceres been- has one hundred and fifteen. Mm-hmm. Suarez has 134. Cavani has 133. That must be the most, by far, combined of four players on any national team. It's got to be. That's crazy. I mean, we should point out that also that you know South American teams play a lot of international fixtures. Sure. Right? So, might be a little higher than, say, like, an Amer- like if they were American instead. And these guys have been there for so long. It's a dick ton, though. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, All them a lot of them, you know, they start early. Years. Yeah. And they go late. This is... Most likely, all but likely, the last gasp mm-hmm. for all these guys. Muslera also has 133. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, for those five players, this is probably the last go round. Mm-hmm. They're kind of they're they're national legends. So see how they're sent off. Yeah. Should we transition to the team that probably hates Uruguay the most in the world? Oh yeah. Yeah, Ghana, who were the victim <laughs> of the Luis Suarez handball uh-huh. uh, that. And then missed the subsequent penalty. It'll be uh, one of the one of the fixtures to watch for. Yeah, they're definitely going to be a little upset about that. The Uruguayan fans will in Qatar will surely be in loud voice, as will the Ghanaians. Yeah, in that one. Oh yes. I don't know if they have played since. I don't think so. I don't think they have. Wow, that's going to be a great fixture. Yeah, so circle can, that one on the calendar. Yeah. As Americans, we also feel strong rivalry with Ghana for our previous World Cup. Yeah, uh, interaction. Ghanaians gotten us a couple times. We yeah. got them once. Yeah. We're up 2-1, or down 2-1. Yeah, they're up 2-1, so. In the century. You know, maybe we both get out of the group, so we get them again. Yeah, we'll meet in the final. Yeah. Oh, that'd <laughs> you be fun. You would say Ghana final. <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. Hey, yay. Hey, hey. Still remember. When I we... wish Ghana was on our group this year, because this is not, I don't think, one of their strongest iterations. Mm-hmm. When we or, faced Ghana, I think it was when we were in the group. I remember waking up. Which year? At camp. Uh, so, if I was at camp, it must have been 2010. 2010, we played in the knockouts. That was the knockouts, yeah. Uh... That was and a rough. Game. I had to read it, read about it in the newspaper, and just heart falling. That was a rough newspaper. fucking I was game. Over at, over at camp and out in the woods, and I was like, "This the US is worse. sucked balls in that game. This is worse than being in the woods." They sucked hard balls. They did get to extra time, but they didn't deserve to win that. It was a it was a shitty game. Yeah. Uh, so Ghana, tactically though, ignoring our big rivalry with them. Yeah, whatever. They play good for them. I don't. I don't hold any any anger. I hold a lot of it. <laughs> They play in a 4-2-3-1 that'll shift into a 4-1-4-1 very narrow when they're in defense. How narrow? Like, like so narrow? So narrow. <laughs> like a little alleyway. Uh, but for the team, I think the key for them is going to be Kudos, who is going to be the 10. Uh, he plays a little deeper for Ajax. He's the 8 uh, in their midfield, and he is he the can do anything. Key, now, I think, to know? their attack. He's... Going to be linking up with the forwards who haven't been great. You know, the two IU brothers, Jordan IU and Andre IU. Still going. Still going. Still starting for the team, despite lots of calls back in Ghana for them to not be starting <laughs> or even called up. Ouch. Yep. That's That would be harsh. I think that would be harsh, but 
you know, they haven't been very good for yeah. for Ghana recently. Uh, so Jordan Ayew plays on the left wing for them, and I think that, you know, he's basically a striker when he plays out there. So they're going to play with all three forwards really close together. Mm. You know, both uh, the wingers are going to be inverted and tucked in. And then Andre Ayew, the striker, right ahead of them. Although, they have another option at striker. Inaki mm. Williams has recently declared for the national team. And he of and Athletic his... Club de Bilbao. Mm-hmm. We talked about his brother playing for Spain. Spain. Yep, so he and his brother will Who's be... better than him. I think the <laughs> second time that there will be two brothers of Ghanaian descent playing for different, for different teams, teams at the yeah. World Cup. Because the Boateng Bo- brothers... The Boatengs, yeah. Kevin, was it Kevin Prince and Jerome? Was that the two of them? Yeah, there's a lot Kevin of Prince played for Ghana. Yeah, and Jerome, Jerome played for Germany. Germany, yeah. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of Boatengs, so I always forget which ones yeah. are the are the brothers. Uh, but, you know, their midfield could be one of their strengths. Uh, we talked about Kudos as the 10. And then he also has Tyreek Lamptey uh, can be in that midfield. I like He's Tyreek Lamptey. At, uh, where is he right Brighton. now? Brighton. Thank you. I was like, it's one of those mid-table Premier League clubs. Yeah, he, every, every, he's one of those 16 Brighton wingbacks that Chelsea have considered buying for $60 million in the mm-hmm. last couple of years. Yeah, and so he will probably just be their left back, but he could also move up into the midfield. We've seen them do that before. Then they have uh, Thomas Partey in the midfield as well. Who? Thomas Partey. Who oh, the rapist. I heard hanging out with him is not a Partey. The alleged rapist, I should yes. say. I don't, uh, we're not rushed to conclusions, but he definitely did it. And they have Daniel <laughs> Kofi Kiera at Freiburg, who's been excellent this season as well. So really strong midfield options for the team. Uh, defensively, I think there's some question marks. Maybe the fullbacks aren't a question mark. Dennis Adoy and Tariq Lamptey, hopefully, at left back. Adoy? Yeah. Adoy. Adoy. They could be options, but, you know, it's not the best Ghanaian team we've ever seen. They struggled in qualifiers. Yeah, they were lucky to get through. They had to really grind out their playoff against nigeria which is a derby by the way huge deal that game big deal and nigeria are also a very talented team as well nigeria i think felt maybe had a little hubris thought they would get through it dominated the xg but ghana snuck through yeah just barely yeah uh it actually was a pretty uh unseemly display from the nigerian crowd after that they were i think they flooded the pitch they were super super angry yeah wasn't a great look it was a not the best moment for Nigeria. I understand the, not, the frustration, not the best but you never players. want to see it play out that way. Yeah, Not the best for their players or their fans, but... Wee bit of St. Etienne energy. Uh, not not quite to the level. Not, not to that level. The French are out of control they these days. They did not right? have to be... The pandemic seems to have been really hard on the French. <laughs> they go well, fucking... They get their protesting in. Do, yeah. do you know how much the French love to protest? Uh, it's the national pastime. <laughs> we have baseball here in the States. They have protesting. <laughs> Uh, the key players for this Ghana team are probably going to be Thomas Partey, so look out for him both on and off the pitch. <laughs> Mohamed Kudos, the Ajax midfielder, the key, I think. I think it's to, Kudus, isn't it? Keeps saying Kudos, I, like, it's, it's like the word Kudos. Uh, he's a very good player, and he is key to linking the midfield and the attack. And then Jordan Ayew, if he scores, I think Ghana have a chance to get out of this group. If he doesn't. Palace's own. Palace's own, now in uh, Turkey, I believe. Oh, he is? Yes. When did that happen? 
Uh, I thought he was still playing for the for Palace recently. Oh, he's still in Palace. I don't know why yeah, I thought he moved yeah. to Turkey. No, no, no. Oh, it's Andre, Andre I used. The one yeah, that yeah, moved, yeah. To, moved out Jordan of still the plays, country. still starts yeah, for Palace just, like half the time. I just got my IUs confused. Yeah, they yeah, yeah. are <laughs> confusing guys because they're brothers. Yeah. yeah, brothers are confused. I, I don't understand brothers. <laughs> I it doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. They confuse me. Uh, but if Jordan IU... Wait, two is, people with the same name? I It doesn't work. <laughs> Stop having... Two male children. <laughs> but Jordan Ayu, I think if he continues to struggle when playing for Ghana, because he's been really bad for Ghana uh, recently, that could be a big issue for them. But if he's playing well, you know, they have a chance to get out of the group. And then potential breakout players. We've talked about him on this podcast before because he's been spectacular for Ren at times this season, but has had some injury concerns is... Kamaldine Suleimana. Super fun. Winger for Ren. He's going to be on the right. Love it. He can be a really, really good goal scoring threat. And I think the narrow front three can kind of benefit his ability to score. Uh, he's also really, really fast and going to like to move the ball pretty quickly. So that could play into his strengths as well. Love it. Then Abdul Fatkwa Ishahaku, I think is how you pronounce it. Fatkwa. It's not. It's per- doesn't Fatkwa. It doesn't look like it's spelled Fatakul. I don't know how to pronounce it. I have not not seen him play on television yet. So I haven't personally heard, seen him, but he was uh, called by the Guardian, the best African uh, prospect of this generation. Oh, wow. So there are... That's high praise. There are people who are 18. I've never heard of him. I know. He's at Sporting, so he's had a good club. He doesn't play a ton because he's 18. Yeah, he's gonna. But yeah. So, well, that's exciting. I didn't know, know how we learned something new today, David. Mm-hmm. Sporting can develop players really, really well. So, oh, you know, sporting can develop. Let me maybe, tell you. Maybe not his tournament. Maybe he's still too young. But maybe, you know, maybe, maybe he gets some future. impact sub minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, something to look out for. Good, yeah. good call. The expectations though for the World Cup are pretty low around yeah, Ghana. Perhaps I think. they're in a. It's interesting because they did. Who was it that they brought? Was it a Nyaki and and. Who was the other one they brought in last minute? Was it Lamptey? Lamptey. They brought in like really late, right? Mm-hmm. Like late into the fall. Yep. Uh, Anaki Williams has two caps for Ghana. Yeah. And Tyke Lamptey has just the one appearance in which he okay. didn't play his natural position of left back. Uh-huh. So it's interesting because they're, I mean, they're two of their most talented players mm-hmm. and should be key in their starting 11. You wonder, like, is the really short buildup to the World Cup and training like enough for them to integrate to the point where they'll be as useful as they could be? in mm. a vacuum that could be a factor i'm also yeah it also feels like almost like a transitional period for them yeah i was gonna say when you look at the guys that are looks like like in, in, the, in the next some of their four year cycle players. they might end up with some good management mm-hmm. might have a pretty si- exciting team yeah when you look at a lot of the guys who are their better players they are typically in that like 21 to 25 range right and there's a lot of room for growth here i mean we talked about Sudamana and Isha Haku, who are 20 and 18, respectively. But they also have Nuruddin at... How old is Kudus? Kudus is 22. Okay, so there you go. Right there. Yeah, so uh, this new generation. Kira at Freiburg, 26. Uh-huh. Uh, Inaki Williams is Lamptey isn't a that... little older. He's only 28. He's yeah. 28, but like, Lamptey, 22. Yeah. Lamptey's um, still in a 22. What the fuck? Yeah. How <laughs> is that possible? Yep, right? That's... I mean, they also have a lot of players who are just kind of like teetering on... Mm-hmm. The entering their prime, so I, so this I think might next be, tournament is when we could expect. So they're the better. baby black stars. Yes, everybody keeps telling the U.S. the baby eagles, 
There and you know what? There, David informed me before we recorded that I was wrong about the U.S. being the youngest team. You were right at the time you said it. I was wrong two things about Ghana. One is that Ghana is actually the youngest team, and also they're ranked lower in the FIFA rankings than Saudi Arabia. Yeah, sixty-one. Sixty-one. Wow. Lowest ranked team at the World Cup, which is sixty-one seems because like yeah. Ghana feel like they shouldn't be ranked sixty-one. I know, but I guess they've had a tough go round. But mm-hmm. hopefully, this uh, bright new generation means they're coming out of it. Yeah. All right, last team in the group is South Korea. Sun, sun, sunny, sunny, sun. Now, one of your favorite players. That's all I have to say. Also one of my favorite players. They will play 4-2-3-1 slash 4-3-3. And Sun plays in the team. I don't know if you knew that. Wait, really? Yeah. So they will, unlike Uruguay, will really possess the shit out of the ball if, if they have their way. They had the most possession in the Asian qualifiers. Sometimes they're criticized for being too slow in the buildup. But Sun actually takes on a bit of like a free roaming role here, almost like a messy like role. Interesting. That he has that kind of freedom on that team where he can like drop in and combine from the forward position, kind of like Kane does. And then, but then he can also kind of pop up anywhere he wants on the pitch. Like he can make a run, uh, you know, shoulders to the defender, make a run through behind the line. He can, as I said, drop in, combine. He can, you know, spray passes all around. He can kind of do whatever he wants. And under their Portuguese manager, Bento, they have 12 goals and 9 assists, Son does. And despite him being him, though, they're not always clinical in the box. And they're outscored by teams like Australia and Iran and qualifying. Not, like, you know, shocking or necessarily troubling, but it could be an issue if they don't convert at a high level in this tough group. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they've struggled to mark in the box, too, which could be a factor. A lot of that, a lot of uh, their defense will will hinge on Kim Min Jae, Jai, Kim Min Jai, Kim Min Jae. It's typically how I hear it, but okay. it might actually be pronounced yeah, Jai, not, but I typically hear sure. it as Kim Min Jae. But he's twenty six uh, year old at Napoli. He's just incredible. Having a really good year, he was Serie A player of the month in September. Mm-hmm. He's uh, their most important player back there. Maybe their second most player in the team. Probably their second best player. Period. Might be their best. And he, yeah, I don't think so. They uh, will maybe need him to make up for some of their defensive shortcomings in yeah. the box. And He'll have to carry them back there. He is very, very good at last ditch defending as well. One mm-hmm. of his strengths is doing that. I don't know if you remember watching the Napoli Milan game, but he saved them the game. I mean, he had, I think, three blocks uh-huh. right when Milan are through on goal, going to get an easy shot against Moret. And here comes Kim Min Jae out of nowhere to just put in a block, make it a corner, and prevent a goal. So he's yeah. super talented. He Style-wise, he's basically Koulibaly. Mm-hmm. And he does a lot of similar things. He's got the speed, he's got the strength, and you know the ability to do that last-ditch defending, but also kind of step up and be a stopper when he needs yeah. to be. He can pass the ball. And how about he, stepping up to the plate? He brought in to basically replace... Yeah, Koulibaly. And what, are, what a way to... I mean, that's no easy task. Where was I, he before? Uh, he was in France at... Of course he was. Yeah. Um, He's not super young. He's 26. He's in his yeah. prime. He's about to be in his prime. Yeah, he hadn't been in France for a long time, if mm. I remember correctly. Oh, no, it was Fenerbahce. He moved from France to Fenerbahce mm. and then came to Napoli. Okay. So I do wonder if there was also maybe like South Korean have to do military service. So I wonder if that's mm. maybe factored in. I don't know if he did a service or if he got a type of exemption because we've seen that like where players will go for just a little bit. Son, I don't know if he was on this team, but Son got exemption by winning 
uh, I don't know if it was the Asian Cup. I think it was the Asian Cup. Yeah. Uh, the players yes. on that team that won that tournament were granted exemption from it. Yeah. So I didn't know. I didn't know about him until he joined Napoli. So yeah. I don't know if he was on that team or not. But yeah, so he'll be responsible. He'll have a lot of responsibility back there. You know, they can be. If, it could be a little susceptible to counterattacks yeah, when no, turned over. So I don't want to criticize their defense too much, just because I haven't watched any of the Korean league. Yeah, and they got all a lot their of other Korean defenders players, yeah. playing the Korean league. That's right? another issue with this team, I think, though, is that they're they're pretty top heavy. Mm-hmm. Like there's Son and Kim and Wang Yi Chan, who plays at Wolves. He's also 26. He's good in attack. So also the two playings at Olympiacos are solid players, yeah, yeah. but not going to be spectacular. Yeah, well, top so they don't. Players. Yeah, so it'll come down to just sort of I think performance levels in a lot of these places. They also a fun player to look out for Lee Kang Kang In who's attacking mid at Mallorca. He's only 21. He was the 2019 Young Asian Player of the Year, and he was the 2019 U20 World Cup Golden Ball winner. Ooh. I think he had two goals, four assists, or something like that. Wow, that's a lot of assists. Um, yeah, so he's, he's got, like, he's the dribbly boy. He's got, like, the spicy moves with the ball at his feet. He could definitely, I, I don't, I'm not positive if he'll start or not. I hope he starts. He could definitely produce some, like, really exciting highlights, though, you know, with the yeah. ball at his feet. So hopefully that's the case. In terms of expectations, I have a sort of hard time seeing them get out of the group because of the the few flaws that I've mentioned. But I think if they get a result against Portugal or Uruguay, like their first game is against Uruguay, if they get like a draw or something there, mm-hmm. I think they might just fancy themselves to to pull up in second here. I think they could be. It's a decent inter- team. They could be an interesting team, especially because. We've talked a little bit about this when we did our Japan breakdown and whatever group they're in, mm. but South Korea and Japan both have a history of not really using a true number nine, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of been the style to have players who can score from all over the pitch and a lot of those like kind of secondary striker type players, uh, like a son. And so it could be interesting for Portugal. I love him like a son. Portugal and Uruguay who are used to playing against teams with like true number nine. Uh-huh. And maybe they have difficulty adapting to picking up players coming from different positions than maybe they're used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that could be a potential opportunity for South Korea to snag a couple goals maybe that people wouldn't expect them to is the tactical differences that they mm-hmm. will employ. Yeah, my thing with that, I just don't, if I don't, it's hard for me to pick them through if I don't fully trust them in either box. You yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. At a World Cup, the, it always comes down to the boxes, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, let's do our predictions here. So Thursday the 24th, we have... Portugal, Ghana, and Uruguay, South Korea. Ooh. I have Portugal beating Ghana 2-0. As do I. And I have Uruguay and South Korea drawing 2-2. I love that. I have Uruguay beating South Korea 2-1. Okay. With a 81st minute Luis Suarez goal. Yeah. Winner. <laughs> Great. The right. 28th, Portugal, Uruguay, and South Korea, Ghana. I have Uruguay getting their second straight 2-2 Uruguay. draw. 2-2 draw. I also have point. this as a 2-2 draw. I think then, this is going to be a fun game. Yeah. I have South Korea beating Ghana. Just one nothing. I have that as a 2-1. Okay. And then the last day of the match, or the last match day of the group, we have Ghana and Uruguay and South Korea and Portugal. Portugal. I'm going to take, I'm a, this is a big part of my predictions this year. I have lots of 2-2 draws. I have two more here. Ghana 2, Uruguay 2, South Korea 2, Portugal 2. All right. I have Uruguay getting their third straight game in which they score two goals. Love it. But this time they only allow one 
and beat Ghana two to one. I have Uruguay scoring two goals in every game too. Wow, we <laughs> Uruguay better score score six goals why? in this group, or we will. I don't, I don't be know why. I don't know why I felt this goal. I just have like more goals in this group than I do in yeah. other groups. I don't know why. It just I, feels like it. It's also like two goals doesn't feel. It feels like a lot of goals at a World Cup. Yeah, it does. World Cups tend to be low yeah. scoring. It hard, yeah, the, uh, it's yeah. hard to pick more than two goals in any single game. Yeah, unless it's France versus Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and then I have South Korea and Portugal finishing as a 1-1 draw. Interesting. So that would leave my table. Portugal, your Uruguay, and South Korea all on five points. <laughs> That's great. Ghana <laughs> on zero points. They just don't have great vibes around them right now. Uh-huh. And kind of bleeding too many players into the team, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Uh, so the way I had it going, Portugal would advance first in the group because they beat Ghana by the most. And then Uruguay would come second because of goals scored. And South Korea would be heading home. Wow. It would be harsh on five points. Yeah. I have Portugal and Uruguay on five points at each as well. Portugal going through on goal differential ahead of Uruguay in first. And then South Korea putting up a good effort, eliminated with four. Mm-hmm. Ghana, just the one. All right. Well, that is Group H. That's the last group. So We've done it. You can either uh, stop listening to our group previews because <laughs> you've listened to all of them. Or you can go back and check all the other groups. We have Group A through <laughs> group a through g available on wherever you listen all to up this on the podcast feed, all up on the feed but you know what before you go that's not all because we have one more special episode coming out whoa where we we will make all of our picks from scratch mm-hmm. for the world cup and all the way to the finals and we'll do some other predictions like like the individual player awards and i have a way too long of a spiel about kits so it's really long so <laughs> David probably go disappear for that one, yeah. uh, and I'll do it alone. Um, but yeah, keep an eye out for that. That'll be coming up on the feed soon. Cheers. Cheers to the Gaffers.